Uh, no, I think you're. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Hello, welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 125. My name is CJ Trader, and with me, as always, my two co hosts who never draw an extra card. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. <laughs> and Brian Brillivan. Hello, this is Brian. I don't just read something off the screen when I'm opening the show like that. Just whatever you know, words I, are on screen. I think I've got the. I think that's one of the few GPEs that I've never gotten at a, at a tournament is drawing extra cards. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played much, so I guess there's a lot I haven't gotten. I'm trying to think if there are any others. Now you're gonna make me look. Jeez. Well, I just don't call a judge on myself. You know, I know how to get away with it. So right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're all sneaky and. Is there? I, I did appeal my opponent's drawing extra cards once. I didn't think he should get a game loss for it. So as you could probably tell, we're going to talk about drawing extra cards. Yeah, in this show. So we're going to talk about the new IPG in total. But the big part about it is drawing extra cards. So we're going to go over mm. that a bit. Um, and then other changes in the IPG and a few changes in the rules. This has actually been a big update. Uh, a lot of our past episodes, whenever there's been an update, we've been able to throw it in at the end and just be like, eh, here's a couple sentences. But we actually got to take an in deep dive. An in-deep yes, dive? Deep an in-deep in dive. Deep dive. <laughs> Either an in-depth dive or a deep dive or an in-deep dive. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> one of those works. We're uh, just going to throw a bunch of words at you and see what sticks. Yeah. I'll just I'll fix, <laughs> fix Almost it like a certain paragraph in uh, DC. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, it's going to come up. All right. Let's start. Let's start with the big one. Let's start with the one everyone wants to hear about. Drawing extra cards is now a warning. What? what? The reaction of everyone. Well, I'm just going to draw cards. It's all I want then. Now, hold on. So if somebody ends up basically drawing extra cards is if somebody, you know, accidentally draws an additional card. That's the easy part. But also ends up with a card in their hand that shouldn't be there or has more in their hand than should could be accounted for. So uh, another drawing extra card situation I don't think a lot of people realize is if, say, I Doomblade Jess's creature and Jess puts it into his hand. For, yeah, because maybe he thought of something else, right? It feels like it feels like when you when you look at a, a GRV, it's got that whole you know it talks about zone change and you know if I if I have a creature that's supposed to die and I put it in exile instead of in the graveyard, you know that's a GRV. If if I put it on top of my library, that's a GRV. If I put it. Uh, you know, on the floor, that's a GRV. <laughs> you know, but if I put it in my hand, that's DEC. Yeah, it's a good call out. So there's basically three distinct cases for drawing extra cards. One hasn't changed at all, but it did change like last iteration of the IPG. So we might as well cover it again because people might not remember it. Uh, so basically, if you, you, you're the judge being called up to the table and you're investigating, hey, what happened here? Uh, the first thing to check is if the identity of that card was known to all players before it entered the hand, or if the hand was empty before it went into there, uh, we can just put it back where it should be. So in the case I just mentioned, you know, if I Doomblade Jess's creature, and uh, it's face up, obviously. Well, that's not necessarily obvious, actually. Well, that's a good point to bring up. Yeah, but in my example here, it's face up. <laughs> okay, I'll be, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about the other part. Um, but it's face up, then both Jess and I know that I Doombladed his bear cub, of course, because that's the biggest threat of my field. Mm-hmm. And so we can just put it back down and it'll be a warning. So that's exactly how it, it was. Put it where it's supposed to put be. Put it back where it should be. So, oh, sorry. So it should be in the graveyard, actually, because I Doombladed it. Yeah. Um, 
And so that would be a warning. And that's exactly how policy worked before. And so the same, same token, if I, um, the classic example I've seen is Vendillion Click. You target yourself, but it was the last card in your hand, and you draw a card, but you're not supposed to draw a card. Uh, now that you had no cards in hand, we we are able to put that card back on top of the library. Right. And that's and that's how that that's how it has worked for a little while now. But I thought it'd be good to go over it again. Uh, let's talk about that morph situation, though. Actually, that one's a lot more interesting. I wasn't meaning to come up with it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so in the case of a card being face down, it's basically the same, except that usually when a card is face down, only one player knows the identity of that card. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it gets returned back to the hand, uh, we're going to deal with that as uh, we're so going to deal with that still as drawing extra cards. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it really matters here whether or not they reveal it. Obviously, they're supposed to reveal it. Right. right. Now, um, now I, I want to throw a wrench in that real quick. There are a lot of situations where the opponent might know what that is, and it could still be uniquely identifiable, and players even play that way. You'll frequently see players when they have uh, – uh, crap, what's that guy's name? Because I, I wasn't prepared for this scenario. None of us were. The five drop that manifests guys at the end of the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Whisper the Elemental. elemental. Whisperwood Elemental, thank you. Uh, so Whisperwood Elemental is uh, in play – a lot of players will put those cards out face up with just manifest tokens on top of them, right? The fact that its status is face down doesn't necessarily mean that its identity isn't known to all players, mm-hmm. which is a little awkward, but it's a true statement. Yeah, in the rare case where it's a very odd situation, though, where you Doomblade their creature, they put it back into hand, and they don't reveal it. It was a face down, and both players didn't know what it was. That would actually be full-blown drawing extra cards. And we'll get That's to- just full blown. What are you guys doing? Yeah, uh, but <laughs> and we'll get to what that means in a moment. Um, so there's another exception or another, I don't know, good word, another clause here though. Before we get to the new DEC fix that makes it not broken, that it's a warning. So you want to cover that? Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is the the new paragraph. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna give you a paragraph that's just a big a big jumble of words, and then we're gonna break it down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the paragraph is: If the cards were drawn as part of the legal resolution of an illegally played instruction, comma, due to a, pl- a communication policy violation, comma, or were the or were as the result of resolving objects on the stack or multiple instruction effects in an incorrect order. A backup may be considered, and no further action is taken. So, there's a lot here. So let's 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 kind of break it down in, into the into the the commas. Okay, um, if the cards were drawn as part of the legal resolution of an illegally played instruction. So, an example of this would be: um, I cast divination for two and a white. Instead of two and a blue. Okay. Uh, that is a, an illegally played instruction. However, once we accept the fact that divination was cast and is on the stack, when it goes to resolve, I'm supposed to draw two cards. So that is what it's the legal resolution of an illegally played instruction. So in that particular case, me casting divination, that's uh that's a grv that's a that's a warning okay for grv and we handle that and then when we jump down to the bottom it says and no further action is taken 
So no further action is taken other than the GRV and its potential rewind. Does anyone want to do the next comma clause? Comma, 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 clause, Helian. <laughs> Communication policy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, uh, there's a card where it's like, uh, everybody discards their hand and then draws up to the maximum number of cards uh, a player discarded that way, or something. I forget what the card's called, but you know, it's it's a card that says like everybody discards their hand, and whoever discarded the most cards, everybody draws that many. Right. So I we cast that card. It was, how many cards are in your hand? How many cards are you discarding? I'm just you know, I, my hand is I got five cards in my hand, and we go great, and we draw five cards, and he's like, oh. I, I only had four cards in my hand. Okay, that's a that's a communication policy violation. He was wrong about derived information, number of cards in hand. Okay, so in that particular case, we assess a player uh, uh, a communication policy violation. Rewind if applicable or if possible, um, or it makes sense to, and then no further action is taken. Okay, so we're not we're, there's no DEC. Okay. Right. Or next comma. This was handled by CPV. Right, because it was handled by CPV. Um, the next clause is, or were as the result of resolving objects on the stack, or multiple instruction instruction effects in an incorrect order. Yep. Uh, so this is uh, this is good old. Um, is it rummaging goblin? No, not rummaging goblin. But it's like the effects that say. Uh, uh, when a creature dies, like a murder of crows, right? Whenever a creature dies, uh, discard a card, then draw a card. Uh, murder of crows loots. Murder of crow loots. Yeah, it's blue. Draw then discard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Any any effect that says discard a card, draw a card. Discard then draw. Discard. And you That's one effect. Yeah. And you draw then then go to discard. Okay. That's an example of a multiple instruction effect in an incorrect order. Uh, it's almost like I should have put um, examples in the show notes. Ponder. Ah, okay. Ponder. Here we go. Ponder. That was your Ponder. Jeez. You guys. Ah, look at you. With it's like show. preparation is important. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Ponder has you look at the top three cards of your library, put it back in any order. You shuffle your library and draw a card. Uh, so when you, if you ponder and you draw first, uh, that would be... Uh, an example of when you are doing the multiple instructions uh, in an incorrect order. Mm -hmm. So in that particular case, we look at whether or not we can do a backup. And if we can, you know, we have a whole episode on, on, you know, backing up. And if you can back up, you do so. And if you can't, well, you don't. And you give the warning for DEC. And we keep, we keep bringing up no further action is taken. Uh, you're you're gonna see why that's so important when we get to what that further action is mm -hmm. in in a little bit. So, and then the resolving objects on the stack out of order. That's a that's a classic one. It's always been there. The actually only change with how DEC worked before and right now is the uh, multiple instruction effects in an incorrect order. So the ponder thing Brian just talked about. But beyond that, the rest of this works how it did in the previous vision of policy. Um, so the stack, resolving objects on stack out order, the classic example is Horizon Spellbomb, which is uh, two and tap, sacrifice Horizon Spellbomb, 
Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. And then when Horizon Spellbomb is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay G if you do draw a card. Uh, this one was classically, <clears throat> a lot of times people don't realize that you draw first before you shuffle. Yes. <laughs> then, and, uh, no, is that right? Sacrifice it. Yeah, yeah. And so they might shuffle first and then draw, and then that was uh, classically used to be a game loss way, way, way back when. So policy was changed around that because it shouldn't be just because you're not really sure how the stack resolves that you uh, should get a game loss. So resolving stack out of order or the multiple instruction effects. I see the multiple instruction effects kind of just a subset of resolving the stack out of order. Now it's just resolving a spell out of order. Makes sense to me. It was kind of weird that ob- if you do objects on the stack in the incorrect order, that right. was air quotes okay. But, you know, steps within an object, if you did them out of order, that wasn't. Right. Like if you had mind rot and divination on the stack and you um, resolve them out of order, you're fine. But then you have a spell that says discard two, draw two, and you do it out of order. Oops. Game lost. Yeah, yeah that was weird. Uh, Jess, you want to cover the big change? I thought we I thought we just did. No. no. <laughs> okay. The change. So if 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 the extra card drawn doesn't fall into any of these categories we just said. Uh yeah, so if it if it actually meets the criteria for game loss and it's not any of the things we just described, um we have a new fix and this is actually very strange uh compared <laughs> to a lot of the things that you've seen before. Um it, that it takes a more active role, but here here's what we got. You Instead of giving that player a game loss, which was the penalty before, uh, we are now going to have that player reveal their hand to their opponent, uh, have the opponent select a number of cards that are equal to whatever the excess drawn was, and uh, take those excess cards and shuffle them into the random portion of the deck. Um, So if anything's happened after the draw, a simple backup may be done. So if if I cast Dig Through Time and I accidentally... So I've got two cards in my hand, and I accidentally I cast Dig Through Time, and I accidentally put all the cards in my all seven cards in my hand. Jeez. Uh, what's what's the what's the fix now? Uh, so if you did that, um, I I'd be impressed, but I've seen stranger <laughs> things happen. Uh, if you did that, then we would have you reveal your hand to your opponent. They would choose seven cards from your hand, and then they would. We would take those seven cards and we would shuffle them into your library. So, or five, because you're supposed to keep two. But you said you put all seven in your hand. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah you're supposed, supposed to keep two. two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, two. they would take five cards. Yep. Five cards. You're correct. So the opponent is going to pick the best five cards in my hand, and and shuffle them away. Yeah. Now the important thing here is that we don't shuffle away known portions of the library. So if someone has. Uh, and I'm sure in this dig through time situation, there's nothing known on top anymore, but there might be known cards on the bottom. Right. Uh, the last dig through time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so you're still going to leave those as is because I've heard people be like, well, what if what if he just draws an extra card to get a free shuffle because he has some card on top he doesn't want to take? Well, that doesn't he or she that doesn't really work because we're not going to shuffle the top cards if they're known. So right. uh, just like just like looking at extra cards, you don't shuffle the known portions of the library. So do we have a do we have a good sense as to why this change was made? Um, so honestly, this is the last uh, this is the last GPE that defaults to a game loss, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, right. So so it, it, we've gradually been moving towards 
a scenario where only tournament errors give penalties harsher than a warning. Now, this is obviously still harsh because the fix is harsh, but um, we, we no longer have any gameplay error infractions that the default penalty is a game loss for. There are several with upgrades, such as marked cards or game rule violation under certain circumstances, but there are no infractions that just immediately default to a game loss. Yeah, And I think that that's part of the goal is to make that the world that we live in for Magic tournaments. Right. But it's still got to be if it was just a warning. OK, the the incentive of drawing an extra card, uh, getting an extra card in the hand is is pretty high. Uh, so we still want a, a strict enough penalty to discourage that from happening. Right. Like if you're if you're losing and you decide to cheat by drawing an extra card. Okay, you were risking a game loss. Okay, well, you were you were losing and you were going to get you were going to lose that game anyway, probably. Uh, in this particular case, if you're losing and you decide to draw a card um, uh, uh, and the judge is not able to tell that that uh, that you're cheating, you're going to you're going to lose the best card in your hand. And so you're probably still going to to continue. So really, the only thing you're gaining in that particular situation uh is really nothing i mean you, you you don't you don't really have any incentive you still don't have an incentive to try and run that cheat yeah something i've seen a lot uh and, and you were talking around it too is like people are like well now players can cheat doing blah 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 and i'm like well you know same is true as always if they're cheating we have an infraction for that that didn't change right, right. um yeah so a lot of people are saying that you know there are going to be people that can get away with cheating withdrawing extra cards that 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 they, they wouldn't have been able to before and there is no one that will be getting away with cheating uh, more than happened before if you are if you are cheating you still get the same penalty uh, if you are caught and if and the the incentive to try and run this is still pretty low i would say it's pretty low because you you're still getting a in, a, in most cases an effectively game loss penalty uh, even if they don't disqualify you for cheating. But so, Jess, what if the opponent doesn't know the right card to pick? That was another argument that I saw that I thought was kind of uh, silly, right? Like the opponent, the opponent doesn't know the best card to take out of the hand to effective to turn it into an effective game loss. That's right. okay. I don't know. I don't think there's the, more, oppo uh, the opponent also has more information. Like they they know their own hand too, right? Like if you got like five dragons and I don't know something else but i got five doom blades in hand maybe i don't want to take the dragons you know like they, they have so okay. much more information there uh i have a crazy question that i came up with while we were talking about all this what's up uh so we have the classic situation where a uh, player accidentally shuffles their hand into their library right could we now make the argument they shuffled their library into their hand reveal their library and the opponent effectively chooses what their hand will be absolutely not <laughs> what? why am i being shot down so hard i think it's a great argument it's a hilarious argument it's not a great argument all right fine it's a great story right it's not it's, a good argument it's kind of one of those things that like uh it's it's a dan stevens uh anti-zone yeah level question well i think the argument did you, is did valid you did you ever get uh did you ever get uh exposed to that uh I, I have heard that question. What yes. you're asking is have I ever worked an event with Dan Stevens? 
And the answer is yes. I've, I've only heard this. I've actually never heard it from Dan. Dan. Uh, I, I have heard it from other people who complain about Dan asking that question. <laughs> uh, the basis of the question is Dan asks, uh, I don't know. He says he's someone put something in the anti zone or something. Right. Two players call you to the effect of what I've heard. Two players call you and say, we have this card in the anti zone. We don't know how it got there. And what do you do? Yeah, it's not in the anti zone. Right. That's the answer. Like, no, it isn't. So, right. It's, shut it's, up. it's one of these impossible scenarios where both players definitely agree that it's in the anti zone, <laughs> but they have no knowledge of how it got there. And when you ask him, how did this happen? He goes, well, He's got a play mat with all the zones mapped out and one's the anti zone and it's just there. And this was this was the first question asked to me at my first GP, you know, in 2011. And I was just like, what? Wow. Dan, that's Dan's, brutal. Dan's beard wasn't even silver at the time. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, one last thing with drawing extra cards is the the clause. It should be mentioned that the clause about um you know, if the opponent confirmed the number drawn, you know, et cetera, do this, do that. So basically, I cast Sphinx's Revelation, X is equal to four. But I say draw five, the opponent says, okay. And I draw five. Uh, under the old policy, that was no longer uh, a game loss. It was just a warning. Um, that clause has been removed. So now in that situation, it actually still would be covered by what we, what Jess just talked about, the reveal your hand, et cetera, et cetera. So... Right, and that's probably been removed, mostly because the uh, the, the penalty for it is is now not a game loss. Yeah, the whole um, purpose the whole purpose for it was to give yet another out, uh, so that it is not a d uh, not a game loss, and so it's all game losses now, or it's not game losses now, so we don't need it anymore. All right, well, there's a few other changes in the IPG. Nothing nearly as major as this, but uh, I'm sure we'd cover them. Um, one is that a uh, caution, the the concept of a caution has been removed from the IPG. Uh, what? I we had a concept of a caution in the IPG. I know, right? Exactly. Right. Like I think at best, slow play mentioned cautioning the opponent or cautioning the players, but it really just meant say something to them. It didn't mean it as a formal caution. Like I don't think caution applied to anything anymore. No, it's the last time I actually saw it was actually used was way back when uh, uh, regular REL was still in the IPG. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's what I was thinking too. Exactly. So and it's been, so it's been like five years coming yeah. this change. Yeah. Um, Your time will come one day caution. Yeah. So uh, another little change is that the, the fix for improper draw. Well, hang, hang on. What do we do? What do we do instead of a caution? Uh, there was never, a situation right. where we did do a caution, but uh, yeah, yeah, let's. I, I get where you're going with that, but that's actually already in the list, Brian. So let's just get to it later. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the fix you're saying proper draw at start a game uh, that is now considered a mulligan. Um, uh, it was it was frequently called a mulligan before like people yeah. said oh you're basically a mulligan but it's important that as far as the rules are concerned this is a mulligan and this does two important things one of them is only relevant at the pro tour uh oh, in, that, in that in that at the next pro tour uh or the pro, next pro tour yeah pro tour in vancouver uh, pro tour origins the the there would be a different mulligan rule which we discussed in the last episode which involves scrying uh, so in this case, 
if you get the fix for improper start, drawing a start of game, then you will get the scry in that situation. It's being so, clear about that. And the second situation is, let's say my opponent mulligans, and then we notice that I made this mistake, and then we apply the improper drawing fix. Now I have mulliganed, and it is my opponent's turn to mulligan again. So we are now clear yeah. on, on that for ordering purposes. Yeah, and to be clear, the fix is not now a mulligan. So many times I hear people call it a forced mulligan. It is not. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah, you take it. You take one more than the excess number of cards. So if they drew eight cards in their opening hand, you take two, and you shuffle them into the library. Yeah. So, and they have mulliganed. And that counts as a mulligan. So now, like Jess said, if you're at the Pro Tour, uh, you would get to scry in that situation. And and it also conveniently answers the question that that gets asked way too often, which is, well, if I if I take a mulligan, am I mulliganing to six or to five? It's like, well, since since that counted as a since that fix counted as a mulligan, so you had mullig- you had air quotes mulligan to six. If you mulligan again, you're going to go to five. Yeah. So it 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 puts to bed that question, and and I think a lot of the little changes in the IPG this go round were meant to kind of uh address it's like questions that kept coming up someone tackled the next one the, uh, the, D- the, the <laughs> ddlp okay so <laughs> so I did that. the the for the old the old ipg had this this weird basically if if a player uh lost a card um you could replace that card with a basic land uh but then once you once you once you replaced it with a basic land, you couldn't ever change it back. So let's say you lost um, a fetch land and you couldn't find another one right then and there. You were allowed to replace uh, uh, that fetch with a with a basic, um, but then you weren't able to change it back if you were able to find that fetch at a later time. Uh, I'm not really sure why that was the case. I think maybe because of the the extra paperwork that was involved in I I'm I'm not really certain why. And apparently the people that uh maintain the IPG weren't really certain why either uh cuz they got rid of that. Yeah. So so now if you uh lose your fetch uh and substitute for a basic land, now you still have to talk you still have to get a judge involved and probably uh, you still have to get a judge involved to get it changed to the basic land um when you find your your fetch uh, at a at a dealer booth or a buddy or something like that you can add it back okay with judge involvement yes okay don't don't just be swapping things out of your deck because here here's the deal here's what's going to happen is when when you lose that land we're going to change your deck list and put a basic land there right so yep. if you get deck checked and then we find that there's not a basic land there because you never got a judge involved. Well, that's going to be a game loss. There still are game losses in this world. And that's one. Yes. All right. What's next? Uh, this, uh, this is oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, this, this is a nothing change. Why do yeah. you, why must you extend the show, Brian? <laughs> uh, because because it's functionally important for all the judges that. Oh, well, here I'll cover it. The reason why well, I put it do. in there. Okay, <laughs> okay. So this was this this change in the IPG is more of a structural change. Okay, there's there are several infractions that have uh, uh, upgrades or downgrades uh, depending on certain criteria, and the upgrade downgrade criteria was always hidden in the body of the text somewhere. Okay, so you had to go look for it, or you you almost had to know it existed to go look for it. Okay, and so now they've made a structural change where at the bottom of each infraction, 
they actually call out specifically as to whether or not it does or does not have an upgrade and what the criteria for it is. So it's they they pulled it out of the they pulled it out of the bulk of the text and they slapped it in its own little section so that it's much much easier to see now. And I yeah. think that's a I think that's a good valuable important thing because now uh, you know where to look. I agree. That's why it's in the show notes. But anyone who looks at the IPG would see that. Well, yeah, and they're listening to the show, so they don't have to look at the IPG. No, they're listening to the show, so that they don't have to look at the IPG about drawing extra cards. They already stopped listening. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> right. All right. Point fair. So, randomizing a deck got its own section in this version of the IPG. Yeah. Um, now, to be clear, this is not a definition for what shuffling a deck means, as far as game rules are concerned. Uh, this is what it means for a judge to randomize a deck as part of a fix. Um, yeah, so and oops. and we kind of touched on this a little bit with drawing extra cards, like, you know, leaving known portion of the library where it is, uh, things like that. Actually, I guess that's really it. That? Yeah, no, there's oh, yeah. there's nothing, not much else for that. Yeah. Like, well, they, I, like, they do. They did. Shuffles. They did. They did address the fact that the, the judge shuffles don't trigger, uh, don't cause things to trigger. It's Thank not you. a game action. Nobody right. ever thought it did. No, you say that, but there are questions on IRC and MTG rules about once a month. Hey, psychogenic probe. If my opponent, you know, gets a looking at extra cards, because you know all those good tournament decks with psychogenic probe, or is that the is that the artifact that does damage whenever you shuffle? Uh, I don't know. All right, so this is a new line in here somewhere. Uh, I'm going to need Brian to help me out on this one, but it says, if a minor violation is quickly handled by the players to their mutual satisfaction, a judge does not need to interview. Where does that, where is that, Brian? That's in, that's in the, uh, oh, uh, I missed that. Yeah, it's in the introduction section. Yeah, one, one of the advantages of getting the track change version of the IPG for the annotated IPG is you see all these little weird, like these little weird little sentences that they tuck in places. Yeah. Um, it is in the uh, like section 1.1, 1 .1, 1 1.2, uh, where they removed. Uh, let's see here. It is now in applying penalties. No, uh, you know what? I'm now looking. It is in section one, general philosophy. Sure. Yes, it's in section one, not even 1.1 or 1.0. Um, they. Uh, so this is basically uh, uh, what they talk about a caution. So they move some stuff around a little bit, talking about players playing in a way that might be clear to both players, but not to an external observer. They move that, sh they shuffle that around. So that's no change. But they added the sentence: if a minor violation is quickly handled by the players to their mutual satisfaction, and a judge does not need to intervene. Uh, a, or sorry, a judge does not need to intervene. So if you are sitting there watching a match and a player starts to say something along the lines of Doom, Doomblade your guy, you know, and it's a, it's a black creature, he goes, Doomblade your guy and, the guy, and the opponent says, can't do it, and he goes, oh, okay, puts it back. Right. Then that is, uh, and they just continue on. They don't even make eye contact with you or look at you or anything like that. Um I would say that that's a minor violation that's quickly handled by players to their mutual satisfaction. Yeah. And you, the judge, don't need to, like, swoop in and be like, hey, hey, I'm giving you a warning for that thing that you guys dealt with on on your own and you're both happy with that. I'm going to go ahead and insert myself and make you unhappy and have to give you an extension and, uh, 
um, the Doomblade scenario might be a little uh, a little on the large side. It might be something like I play a land, uh, I, I play a land that comes into play tapped, and my opponent's like, "Oh, that's supposed to be tapped." And you go, "Oh, okay, you tap it." Yeah. Um, that might be more. That might be more on the on the on the size of a minor violation. No, I mean I think that's all fine as long you know. And I think this is how I want to believe this is how judges already acted. Like I'm certainly not giving a GRV because I saw him put it saw the player put it into play tapped or untapped or whatever and it, and it got and it got addressed quickly yeah and then, and then the opponent was just like i got to be tapped you know and like come on um now if it continued on if something happened after that then yes you you're going to or the opponent looks at you you know like judge what are you can do about it right you, you step in all right so briefly tell us about this whatever happened with tardiness cuz i didn't notice any relevant changes in there Okay, so before uh, tardiness said uh, a player, a tar- the definition of tardiness was a player fails to comply with announced time limits. Um, what? Okay, what, what do you mean by announced announced time limits? And so they changed the definition to flush it out a little bit more. So a player. Uh, uh, for tardiness, the definition: a player is not in his seat at the beginning of turn, uh, the beginning of a round, or a player has not comply uh, completed timed tournament activities, such as deck building in a limited event within the time allocated. Um, then it talks about like if you what happens if you start the round early, but it's specifically calling out like what the complying with the announced time limits means. Um. Uh, and then it calls out a player is not tardy at the start of the round if he or she has notified a judge of a delay, provided the delay is not excessive. Extra time uh, can be given in these uh, is maybe given in these situations. So it's, hey judge, I need to go to the bathroom. Right. Okay. That's that's the big one. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to buy. Hey judge, uh, I want to go buy a card. Yeah. No. All right. I consider that an excessive delay. Yeah. All right. So we got a few rules changes. Uh, they're all pretty narrow, but we'll go over them real quick. Um, the biggest one that it doesn't actually change anything is there's a slight change to how you cast a spell. So I guess we got to go re-record that episode. Just kidding. Oh. Uh, so the change is uh, you determine whether or not that spell could legally be cast. After, uh, right before you determine the total costs. So that would be after you decide how you're distributing things? Yeah. Yes. So right in, right in between those two steps, uh, if the spell could not legally be cast at that point... Um, right before you try your magic pills. Yes. Then, <laughs> um, then we just kind of rewind and, and the whole casting is illegal. So I don't think that functionally changes anything. It it changes uh, some some stuff with bestow. It doesn't. I thought it did too, but it doesn't because of where you're where the change where the check is. It, it no, doesn't change anything. If you if you can't cast a if you can't cast a creature card, like uh-huh. if there's a card out there that says you can't cast creatures, uh-huh. before you couldn't even start to cast your bestow because it was a creature. Mm. Now it it'll be when it does the check, it's an aura. So, so it'll get past that. Okay, so this check used to be before you started doing anything. Right. You checked at the beginning. You know, it's like, do I have a restriction that says I can't cast creature spells? Okay, is this thing I'm trying to cast, is it a creature? Yes. Okay, can't even start. Uh, so now it's, if I can't cast creature spells, well, I can bestow all I want around it. Yeah, that's, that's 
uh, I would be surprised if, if for the vast if that ever came up for the majority of people. Like, <laughs> right. but you know what's going to happen? We're gonna we're gonna be dealing with questions on the forums where people are like, "Oh, did I break this rule? Did I break it now?" Because people are, people have already started trying to break this. Yeah. So so it does change profit accrual fix then. Um, I, I, I had convinced myself I had and then that it hadn't. So let me read Profit of Crufix real quick. Uh, it says you may cast creature cards as though they had flash. So used to be that would let you kind of bestow um, at instant speed. But now you can't because step one, you announce it. Step two, it becomes an, an aura. And then when we get to the step where it checks the legality, it's an aura, so profit doesn't apply to it anymore. It doesn't have flash. So it doesn't have flash. So you couldn't cast so it. So it's illegal. So Oh man. Oh, uh, it's like you went back in time and 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 uh and kissed your mom and uh and then you faded out of existence until you played Johnny Be Good. Alright, sure. So speaking of reference. things that'll never happen, it's um, just required. There's a uh new rule to handle <laughs> um I guess I don't even know. Triggered mana abilities that trigger off of a land producing mana and, and also the rule applies to to how we determine what mana was actually produced by a card. So the example given is like a guy's cradle, uh, which taps and adds green to your mana pool for each creature you control. Uh, and it has wild growth on it, which whenever you tap the land for mana, you get to add another mana to your mana pool. If you control no creatures, it will not trigger the wild growth. I guess it would before. I don't know. That's why we rarely cover the rules changes. Yeah. So, so basically, what it says is, it says the, and we don't actually have the rules text. We have the the article that Matt Tavak put out. We actually he says do. we could get it. It's it's well, out there. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's okay. that's where I looked up the uh, casting a spell stuff. Oh, okay. Well, my bad. But okay. uh, so what they what they did was is. Uh, there used to, the the rules used to be set up in a in a way that's no longer relevant. Now, uh, what you do is you you look at um, you tap a when you tap a permanent for for mana or mana of a specified type, you look at what was actually produced after uh, the mana ability resolves uh, with regards to things that trigger off of it. So uh, uh, if so, specifically with wild growth, it's whenever the uh, the enchanted land is tapped for mana. Okay, well, you look at Gaia's Cradle, and it's like, well, did it actually make mana? Yes, great. No, tough, tough wild growth. Tough growth. Yes. All right. Uh, this next one's it was a little obscure, but it actually could happen, so it's a little better. Um, but basically, if you're instructed to shuffle a specific object into your library, and that object is no longer there where we expect it to be, you still shuffle your library uh, it used to be that if you had to shuffle um, uh, the Eldrazi, all count for this, right? I'm not getting confused. What? Uh, what are you, where are you going? The Emrakul. What does Emrakul say? It shuffles shuffles your entire graveyard into your library. Oh, it shuffles your whole graveyard. So that one, that one was fine. That one always slid by. Oh, maybe I'd like Dark Shield uh, Colossus or something well, like that. Trigger. Um, oh, right. <laughs> but if an instruction uh, tells you so there, there say there's a creature that said when it dies shuffle it into your library right and those exist uh, genesis maybe no not genesis anyway uh whenever it dies shuffle it into your library and then there's something out that makes it go to exile instead or maybe in response to the trigger someone exiles it you still shuffle your library it used to be that you would not actually shuffle your library because that object is still not there 
to actually shuffle in. But now you so, do actually shuffle your library. So this is this is where Cozy Trickster gets all the shuffle effects that yes. it lost in the judge fix for uh for randomizing a deck. So Guile. Guile is an example of a card that does this. Uh is Guile a trigger? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, that cool. Alright. Um, uh well now geez, I wish I had the rule. Now I feel I feel so unprepared, but I wonder if if you had a Dark Steel out and a um uh, is it rest in peace that makes it all go to the grave, go to exile instead of the graveyard? Oh, but it would never have gone to the graveyard. That's right. All right. I don't have a good example for that. All right. And and the main thing, uh, Tayback calls this out in his article, and I'll post the article, of course, in the show notes, but he calls this out is, is don't confuse this with uh, a spell that is now missing a target. So if there was a spell that said shuffle target creature into its owner's library, and in response, the uh, creature is exiled or whatever, um, you're not going to shuffle in that case because the whole spell gets countered because the target is now illegal. Good. Yep. Everyone's good. Everyone's great. All right. Yes. Let's get some news. We got a new level three. Oh, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about the, the, the function, uh, the wording changes on biomass mutation. Uh, no, we're not going to nope. talk about the nope, fact we're not gonna talk about that at all, that they put scry on cards that didn't used to have scry, which I think is a bad decision because that is a functional change with flame speaker adept. Oh, and that is different than putting menace on cards that used to have that text. Rules changes happen all the time that cause functional changes, but this oh. is not a rules change that causes a functional change. Man, but, but my soul Debbie, Debbie excavation <laughs> got a lot better. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's totally awesome. Uh, Mirror Grand of Petroglyphs deck. Oh, and I can even worse. make a shared fate deck now because of the the clarification on what an opponent meant. So my multiplayer shared fate deck. Yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't read it. I don't know if it's better or not. <laughs> Nobody cares about shared fate Nobody. except for like that, except for Mike on the mana pool. It's one guy out there. One guy. One person. All right. Uh, yeah, we have a new level three. John Gould of Canada. I hope that's not pronounced Gould. It's I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it's Gould. It's probably it's, it's if it's slightly French, it might the L might even be pronounced like an R or something. John it might be John Gord. <laughs> Gord. <laughs> like right, like Colonel. Isn't that French? It's got that L. You still put an R sound, maybe. I think. Uh, I think we have enough time to do a couple of quick emails. So let's let's dive in. Congratulations to John, by the way. Sorry, I bet I bet I got your name right the first time. Uh, our first I actually, e- yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced. <laughs> the first email comes from Calvin from London, Ontario. That's confusing. You can't name. All right, it's like someone being from like Atlanta, Germany. It's like, come on. <laughs> I I have a question about the life half of life death with concerns to the basic super type. Uh, the Oracle text on life states that all lands you control become 1-1 one, one creatures until end of turn. They're still lands. If I control a forest, I know that it returns the type land, but does it return the super type basic for the purposes of target effects such as Wasteland and Ghost Quarter? Oh, and thanks for all your help. If this is Brian reading this while walking your dog, can you please pet them for me? Aww. But we never know if Brian actually pet his dog because I replied to this one. <clears throat> so you guys get the question? Yeah, he's wanting to know if uh, uh, if a forest that becomes a uh, a creature mm-hmm. is still considered basic. Yes. And the answer is yes, it is still considered basic. So so no wastelanding for you. All right, let's do a couple more. And and I, I do I do pet my dog and right. uh, and I uh, uh, do not get a chance to answer uh, rules question uh, judge cast emails while walking the dog anymore. Because he's getting old and his uh, walks are a lot more labor intensive. Hmm. That That's unfortunate. Carry him? Uh, 
Yeah, he doesn't. He he's not able to walk up and down the stairs anymore. So I do have to carry him. Oh. And yeah, and then uh, when I I kind of have to carry him to a spot, and uh, he'll, he he might walk and then or he might just kind of stand there and look at me and like want me to take him back to his bed. My uh, milkshake's been having these episodes that I call uh, grand meow seizures, and then I laugh, but it's also really sad. That's, that's <laughs> extremely morbid. <laughs> what the, what the, and we're like... laughing about it right now. <laughs> I am not laughing. One third of this loud. group is not laughing. Oh, it's probably just an inner ear infection. We're not sure yet. We're still working. Probably. All right. Might be lethal. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's 17. Oh, all right. Wait, that's 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 like upper middle age for cats though right no that's old really yeah because the last cat i had lived to like 24 Jeez. i think it was it survived basically because it just hated me and i hated it it was just spite and bile yeah, that's thing. what's keeping milkshake alive spite <laughs> and bile um all right we got another email from parts unknown he says i have a set of tron lands in play uh, my opponent plays Spreading Seas on my Urza's Tower. Do both my Urza's Power Plant and Urza's Mine produce two colorless still? Will the tower produce a blue mana? So the Tron lands, of course, being those classic lands that if you have all three out, uh, the tower produces three mana and the mine and power plant would generally produce two mana. Yes, so the mine and the power plant produce two mana uh, and the, the, the tower makes three. Right. Yeah. I know you just said that. I'm just clarifying. Okay. Yeah. And the tower is the one that they're spreading seas in. Yes. It has a spreading seas on it now. Okay. That means you'll have a tower that makes blue mana and only blue mana, and the other two will still make two. Mm. Oh. Mm. So maybe so I'm misunderstanding what this land yeah. does. Yeah. So here's here's the unfortunate here's the unfortunate thing. Uh. So like the Urza's lands say things like, uh, add one to your mana. Like Urza's mind says, tap add one to your mana pool. Um, if you control an Urza's power plant and an Urza's tower, mm-hmm. add two to your mana pool instead. Urza's power plant and Urza's tower are actually land types, not card names in this, uh, uh, in this context. Yeah. So since the type is no longer power plant or, uh, actually is it, is it tower? No, the tower, the, the, Ur- the card named Urza's tower no longer has the card type Urza's tower. It's now type island. Island, yeah. Uh, you don't, uh, you don't get the, the, the two instead. Well, I didn't realize that those actually had those types. Yeah. I know when you, when you, hey, if you listened to our type podcast. <laughs> we did cover the Urza's type. It is my favorite actually, type. They are, they're, they're great. Um, they're yeah, so. so so in order for it to work how how we would think it would work, it had to say as long as you control a card named Urza's Power Plant and a card named Urza's Mine. But hmm, some person in the past decided to make this crazy decision to give them types of Urza's Power Dash Plant and Urza's Mine, making Urza's a land type. I I don't know why that happened, but I, I don't know either. It, it sound it seems like it seems like one of the silly rules like along the lines of like birds of paradise used to say summon mana birds so its type was both mana and birds for a while and people would be like oh does it count as a land because it's a type mana huh that was a real question my favorite old rule was how um uh multiple like elves and elf were considered the same creature type but then my favorite was brothers and sisters were considered the same creature type. Like if it's two words of the, of the same word but two different genders, they were yeah. considered the same creature type. That's well, they were just they were just very forward thinking back then. Yeah. 
All right, let's do one last question here from Marvin. He says, All right. Judges, I have a question about buys and sanctioned tournaments caused by an odd number of players. My friend played in a GPT, and after round three, he had three points because he lost twice and got one buy. At that time, all the other players had six plus points. In round four, he received another buy. I thought a player can't receive more than one buy. Am I wrong? You you are mistaken. Gasp. Uh, <laughs> uh, ideally, the player with the lowest points who has not received a buy will receive a buy if, if one is warranted. However, in a situation where players, all the, the players who could have buys will have played each other uh, and there's only one possible solution that, that leads to a low point player getting buys, then sometimes a player can end up with more than one buy in a tournament. It's relatively rare, but it does happen. Yep. Cool. All right. If you want to send us great questions, we have some more, but you know, we got to save stuff for the future. Uh, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash judgecast. All right, gentlemen, I think that's a, I think that's a good IPG update. You know, our, I think our first episode was an IPG update. Me and Jess. Uh, it was. Takes me back. It definitely was. Yeah. Are you guys have anything <laughs> else you want to talk about before we wrap this bad boy up? I do not. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, then, thanks, everyone, for listening. My name is Cedar Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep a power plant, a tower, and a mine all together on me at all times. What's mine is or is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's better.